Welcome to the New Atheist Experience. We are live with Kwali Kush and Kwame Remesu. This is the show that strives to educate, inform, and grow our community by promoting reading, critical thinking, and secular humanism as a replacement for the heavenly biblical worldview that has halted the growth of our people for over 2,000 years. It is the lack of scientific literacy, logic, reasoning, and critical thinking in our community that produces a public that is more susceptible to trickery, scams, and cons. Not only does religion make one less likely to value reality, but it also produces many of the ills of our society, racism, prejudice, and various superstitious beliefs. On this show, we encourage people to question their beliefs and their origins and how religious thought patterns affect our behavior. You can listen to this show as a podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. You can also watch us live on YouTube every Sunday. We also have other shows on our channel, so if you like this show, you might want to check those out as well. We have a science podcast called Shout Out Electron and an investigative podcast called New Thugs. Those links are in the description below. If you love this content, why not consider making a contribution to help us grow our platform and reach more people? Your contribution will help us pay for various monthly subscriptions and equipment costs needed to produce this content. You can make a one-time, monthly, or annual contribution directly at our website, qualicush.com. Every dollar helps us out, so don't hesitate to show your support. If you would love to contribute, but you cannot contribute financially, you can still help out the show by clicking the like button, sharing this content on your social media, or by visiting the website qualicush.com. Your engagement helps us rank better and thus reach more people. Check the description below for all of these links. Now for all my Bible readers out there, for all my Quran readers out there, you've been reading the same book for generations and you still have not found liberation for our people. How much better would our community be if instead of reading the same book every Sunday over and over again, we read a different book every Sunday? Imagine that. If the preacher read a different book to the congregation every Sunday instead of the same book over and over again, how much smarter would the congregation be? Well, church, at QualiCush.com, we read a different book to you every single day. For free, you don't have to read the books yourself anymore. I read them to you, and all you have to do is listen. You no longer have an excuse not to read books. Because I know a lot of y'all like to say that you don't have time or you can't sit still. Well, now you can listen to books anytime, anywhere. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on these free audiobooks. And if you don't prefer the books that I choose to read, you can get two free audiobooks of your choice when you sign up for a free trial with Audible. That link is also in the description, or you can go to qualicush.com and click the audiobooks tab. So make sure you share this content on your social media and help us grow our platform and help wake these people up. And without further ado, we're going to begin the show. You are listening to the new Atheist Experience. And the book of today is Emancipation of a Black Atheist by D.K. Evans. You can get the free audiobook version via the link in the description or simply go to qualitycush.com if you want to order the book. Great journeys often start with a single question. For D.K. Evans, a newly married professional in the Christian-dominated South, that question was, why do I believe in God? That simple query led to him on a year's journey 
search for a better understanding of nature, religion, and faith, particularly as it applies to the black community. While making such a journey today might immerse themselves in the writing of Richard Dawkins, Daniel Dennett, Sam Harris, and Christopher Hitchens, Evans took inspiration not only from John Henry Clark, Joseph Ben Yokonaton, Hubert Harrison, and John G. Jackson, champions of a rich black tradition of challenging religious orthodoxy, but also from many others in his own community who had similarly come to question their core religious beliefs while this journey eventually led them to discount the notion of God. He calls on all to ask their own questions, particularly those within the black community who act on blind faith. While their own journey might not lead to his truth, he acknowledges that this is the only way that they will ever emancipate themselves from the truths thrust on them by others and arrive at their most important truth, their own. All right. So I want to introduce my co-host Kwame Remesu. We got a little um, tied up last week, but we back with part two. So Kwame, whenever you're ready, bro, talk to the people. Peace, am I, am I able to hear? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. We hear you loud and clear. Peace and black power to my people out there in YouTube land, blog talk land, wherever you at. Peace and black power. I'm your I'm your co-host, Quay. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I do apologize. Uh, Kwame Ramesu, man, I am here to tell you what your preachers won't tell you. Uh, me and my uh, brother Quayle Kush came up with this because everybody go to church on Sunday. How do you spell Sunday, my people? S-U-N-D-A-Y. Right? Why is Sunday right. the seventh? Yeah. Why is Sunday the seventh day of the week? Why is Saturday the sixth day of the week? So we're going to get into that. I'm going to give you a few Bible scriptures that your preacher would not ever ever talk to you about. Your preacher is going to tell you about uh, scriptures that are going to keep you in a submissive state. So this is why your preacher will keep wants to keep you in a submissive state because if, he, if you ever find out that you're a sun worshiper he will lose his congregation he will lose money well you must also remember church is a big business okay 501c3 status right so they don't have to pay no taxes on everything that you give them so when a preacher says hey give god the money but when you need him he'll send you right to god Mean, meaning that the preacher will send you to nobody. If you look at my head, uh, we do Know Thyself Apparel. So you will find our merchandise on quailacush.com. It's Know Thyself Apparel. I do hats, I do onks, I do t-shirts. So please let Quayle Kush know on his website, what do you need? And I will basically uh, give it to you. I do t-shirts, like I said, hats, necklaces, onks, Eye of Ra, Eye of Haru, all of that. So Quayle, you ready to get into this? You ready to get into this uh this Bible study, this revival? I'm ready, ready man. The- I'm always ready. You know, I love this, man. Because I used <laughs> to be a believer, so I, I love to get into it and, and I'm really a, a a fan of the truth. So if Jesus was real, I would be out here preaching Jesus. But guess what? He ain't real. So let's get into it, man. What you got for us? Oh, so hey, everybody in the comments, give Quayle Kush a uh, thumbs up if you ready to get into this revival. Amen. 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 <laughs> Okay, so we're going to start with um, Quayle Kush. Uh, well, people that's out in the uh, YouTube audience, I would like for you to turn to your Bible to the book of uh, Hosea, chapter 13, verse 7. When you say it, can you say Amen? Amen? Amen, Rock. 
Ashe, Ashe. So that Bible verse says, "What for the uh, I'm the Lord thy God from where? Can you can you can you can you help me out with that, uh, Quayle? I'm the Lord thy God from where? Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm a little behind you, man. Give me like okay. thirty seconds. Just go ahead, go ahead, read. It. I'm gonna catch up. So, so I'm I'm going off the dome right here because I've been studying this since this stuff since I was 28 years old. That's where my awakening. And uh, I'm going to give uh, people a brief synopsis of my awakening. Is it okay, Quayle, if I give people, because um, I don't think I gave the uh, the audience a brief synopsis of uh, how I became conscious. Okay, you, got, you got the floor, bro. You can do whatever you want to do. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Thank you, thank you, Quayle. Um, Yes, your brother Kwame uh, was woke around the age of 28. I am 36 years old now. Uh, right now, I'm in the Bible Belt, which is Texas. I am in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and my awakening came about when I was just really tired of things not going right. So I had to look at my belief system because my mom always told me, you know, Gerard, if you just believe in God, he will basically be there for you. But I'm like, Mom, I got my own I got my own house. I got my own place. What did God do for me? You know what I'm saying? She got upset. So I realized, I said, okay, let me, let me find out this stuff is really true. So I started looking up the origins of the Bible. You know what came up? The origins of sun worship, Helios Biblica. So now we're finna get into what the preacher won't tell you. This is episode, what episode is this, Quayle? Episode two. Um, I just go by the date. So this December 13th, 2020. Okay. 2020. Okay. So this is the episode. This is what the pastor will not tell you. Okay. So Hosea chapter 13, verse four says, for the Lord God is the sun at S-U-N. This is why you go to church on Sunday. You have sunrise worship. You have Sunday school, S-U-N. So when you look at that verse, people that are there that are believers, Turn to Hosea chapter 13, verse 4. It said, for the Lord God is an S-U-N. So why would God, ask yourself this, why would God correlate himself with uh, being in, uh, um, in human affairs and with himself being a son? Because he is the son. Because without the son, you would not survive. Let's talk about the origins of sun worship. The origins of sun worship go back into ancient Egypt about 5,000 5, B.C.E. This was this was with the uh, the creation of the Amun Ra, which is Ray Amun Ray Amun Ra. So when you say Amen at the end of your prayer, you uh, excuse me at the end of your prayers, you're really paying homage to the Egyptian uh, the comedic deity Amun Ra or Amun Ray. So I'm saying that's why you go to church on Sunday. Emperor, uh, Emperor Constantine in 326 BCE. Excuse me, it's 326 CE of the Common Era. I'm sorry. Um, he wanted, he, he had this day, Sunday was called All Emperor's Day, but he did not want to basically seem like a tyrant. So he basically changed it to Sunday. This was a Roman emperor. He bought his wife alive. He did a lot of stuff. He was a part of the Crusades. Okay. If I'm wrong, Quayle, uh, uh, please correct me. Okay, so y'all got to understand the origins of your belief system. So we already dealt with um, Hosea chapter 13, verse 4. So this is another thing I'm going to reiterate on the uh, sundial. Okay, so the ancient uh, ancient committed people, our ancestors, they created a, a calendar called the uh, Stellar calendar, which is the Stellar calendar, which is housed at the Egyptian temple of Dendra. 
That is the first zodiac wheel. So when you look at the, the modern zodiac wheel, you see the sun on the cross. So you have the equinoxes and you have the uh, uh the you have the equinoxes and the solstices. So the sun. You, uh, so the sun travels through the 12 constellations on the course of a year. So you have 12 constellations. How many, how many uh, numbers on the clock? 12. How many hours in a day? 24. Those, those numbers are correlated with how the sun works. So right now, we're almost in the winter solstice. So on December 21st, the sun sets. And it seems like the sun does not rise for three days because it's coming off the southern crux in the southern hemisphere of the earth. Well, it's, it appears to be, because uh, like I said, we're in the age of Aquarius. So on that, so the sun goes down on December 21st. Three days later on December 25th, the sun rises one degree, symbolizes resurrection. So this is where you get your sun worship from. So we're gonna start with that first. That's why Jesus's birthday is on December 25th, no matter what year it is. And Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, it has different days. Have y'all ever thought about that? Have you Christians ever thought about why Jesus' birthday, I mean, excuse me, not, excuse me, why Jesus' death date is on different days of the year? I remember in 2015, it was on in March 31st. So it's always every first Sunday or every third Sunday of the year. So if you die, if you die on a certain date, are they going to change your dates of the uh, your death dates? So if you die on April 10th, are they going to say, well, you died on April 9th of the next year or you died on April 4th of the next year or you died on April 14th? Come on, Christians. I need you to think. I really need you to pull out your pens and paper. I really need you to pull out your Bible. This is why I'm bringing up the proof that the Bible is sun worship. See, what happened was Osiris or Asar, Osir, Osir was killed by his evil brother Seth. Okay? He was chopped within 14 pieces. That's also a number that, that's important too. 14 pieces is scattered all over the corners of Egypt. Right? So Assyria or Osiris or Asar was killed by his brother. And the only thing that his wife, uh, Aset, she found was his phallus. That phallus is the phallus of creation. Without her, you without the woman, you cannot create life. So that's why I don't understand why y'all believe in the virgin birth. Quayle, why do they believe in the virgin birth? When you know you cannot um, create babies without sex. See, our ancestors, they knew that you need to take the man and the woman in order to create. This Christianity, Judaism and Islam, believes that a woman can get pregnant without sexual content, without intercourse. I want somebody from the audience to call in and disprove us. This proves the fact that a woman can, can get pregnant without a baby. I mean, excuse me, can get pregnant without sexual intercourse. Because our ancestors knew that it takes... Yo, yo, your sound went out. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm, where, where did I go? Where did I last talk about? I do apologize. I'm I'm so sorry. Um, just uh, repeat the last sentence that you said. You only went out for like ten seconds. Okay, okay. So I need people to to I need somebody to call in and prove that a baby can be created without sexual intercourse because our African ancestors, our ancient African ancestors, knew that it took man, woman, and child 
to create a, uh, excuse me, a man and woman to create a child. You know what I'm saying? So that never happened. So this is why I can prove to that your Bible is a book of sun worship. Okay. So we're going to get into, uh, we're in chapter, uh, we're in in Hosea chapter 13, verse four. So it said, I'm the Lord, thy God, thy God from the land of Egypt. That's the, that's the old King James Bible. And now I don't want you, uh, Christians saying, well, this Bible means this. So when you do that, you should look at that as like, okay, we have to verify another version of the Bible to verify this version of the Bible. Why is that? Why do you why why does something when it's something seems like it basically conflicts with your beliefs you need another book or a Bible to verify the King James Bible everybody go by the King James Bible so uh, we're going to talk about I'm the Lord that guy from the land of Egypt so when you look at the ancient Romans and Greeks they created their sun gods based off of ancient Egyptian deity Ra or Ray okay so they okay go ahead go ahead cool. Caller, you live on New Atheist Experience. What's the name and where you calling from? I'm calling from uh, Shelbyville, Tennessee. And what's your name? My name, my name is. You can call me Dan. Dan the man. Hey, right, Dan the man. Uh, what do you believe in? Why? What you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about faith, buddy. I've been watching the show for um, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks now. I've mm-hmm. seen uh. A few of your episodes, man. I really, I really appreciate what you're doing for the community. I think you're really out here fighting a good fight. But I, I, I really um, am struggling to to understand where you miss faith. So I got a uh, a, a story, an analogy to tie to that story, and then I'll finish off with a question for you. Is that okay, Mr. Quelly Cush? Uh, yeah, if you can keep it very brief, because this is a live show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, as it relates to faith, or, or excuse me, it seems to me that the dilemma is between the unseen and what can be seen. And um, would you agree with me that uh, uh, that just because we cannot see something with our eyes, such as our mind, gravity, magnetism, or the wind, that does not mean it doesn't exist? Sure, I'd agree. Okay. And then I actually take a personal stance that that there's probably more that exists that we cannot see than there is that we can see. Okay. So now there's my sort of analogy. Now let's take a um, um, uh, a scale of one to ten. Uh, let's say a blind man needs ten pieces of information to be one hundred percent sure that he can move in a, whatever his objective is. He needs these ten pieces of information. Well, if he has only nine then he's not 100% sure and now has to take a a, a 10% leap of faith all the way down, or at least from 1 until 9 until he he has 10. So that tells me that faith absolutely does exist if things exist that we can't see, and then it's just a matter of how much faith is used. 
So if we only if we have nine pieces of information, then we only need a little bit of faith. But if we only have one piece of information, then we require no faith. And if you look at the entire history of humanity, we've operated with broken, flawed um, science that has gotten us where we are today. So that's why I believe in faith, and 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 that's why I, I'm calling in today is because I really stand on the narrative that faith is a real thing and that people should incorporate this into their lives. Well, you got a minute? I can respond. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll go ahead and mute. I'm all good. So while where you say you have uh, your analogy where this guy has, he's blind and he has 90% evidence and you say he he requires 10% faith. That's where I would disagree with you. Where that 10% where you say he requires faith, I would be comfortable saying, I don't know. And see, when you use faith, what you're doing is you're pretending to know. When you say, I don't know, you're leaving yourself open for the correct answer. So faith, I could say I got faith that all um, dreadheads are better than ballheads. But is that true? So in, in that analogy, I just proved that faith can lead you to a, a, a conclusion that's not true. So therefore, it's better to not use faith. He's not required to use faith, as you as you put it. And then you said that we've been using broken and flawed science in history. I would argue that since we've implied the scientific method, that's when we had had the most technological advances in, in our history as a species. So science is the best thing that we have working for us. If you have something that works better, then I'll stop bolstering science so much and I'll use that thing. But so far, science has produced the computers, the microphones that we're using, the cell phones and the TVs, the streaming, the show. All that's because of science, not because of faith. Uh, Kwame, you got anything you want to add? Uh, I can't hear you. Uh, he probably muted, muted his mic. Okay. Are you there? I'm here. Kwame, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here, brother. Uh, can you see me? Can you see me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can, uh, yeah, we can hear you. So uh, go ahead and respond to Dan the man. I'm going to respond. I'm going to let him respond. I can't hear him, Quali. Oh, he can't hear you. Um, can you, you heard you heard what he said, right, Kwame? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, he can't hear you, but um, you heard what he Same. said. So, so go ahead and uh, respond to what he said. Okay. About the faith. Okay, so is is faith the pathway to truth to you? He said, "Is faith the pathway to truth, Dan?" Say it again. I'm sorry. Is faith the pathway to truth? Faith is a last resort when no information is left. So is faith. Can you can you hear me, Dan? Dan, can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Okay. So this is this is Brother Kwame. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Okay, so you said you're struggling. I remember you said you was kind of struggling with uh, with faith and stuff like that. You do know that faith uh, is an excuse you that Christian. Me again. 
Can anybody hear me? Am yeah, I, am yeah, I good? Go okay, cool. So you know that faith is an excuse for people to use them when they don't have reasonable evidence to be, for their beliefs. That's what that's what faith is. It's like me telling you, uh, well, uh, your wife is not cheating on you, man. You just gotta have faith that she's believing that that she's being faithful to you. Just have belief. Just have faith that she's being faithful, and knowing that I know that she's been cheating on you, seeing other guys and stuff. Like I'm not saying this is really happening, but this is just an example. So you cannot just have faith that everything is being what it is because you basically conformed your beliefs to what it should be. You feel me? So if your faith, so if your beliefs is okay, this is what it should be. God is the savior. He's all this. He's all that. But when you, in actuality, when faith is just an excuse to keep you blinded by what's really true, if that makes sense, because um, I'm not going to have faith in something that I don't have no evidence for. So do you have evidence for your faith? Um, well, let's uh, tie it to another real-world example and let's see how you um, uh, address it here. So as it relates to wrecks on the highway, you can get car insurance, you can get safety bags, you can get you know all sorts of fancy brakes and rotors and, and technology that slowly or surely reduces the likelihood of you being severely damaged during a wreck. But you're still on this highway with a, with a volatile nature of different people all around you. It feels like what I hear from this show is that if you don't have enough information to get on this highway, you should not get on this highway. And what I feel is that at some point you have to go, I have some sort of belief in myself. I guess it has to be based on something that I can get on this highway and survive without my entire life being destroyed uh, from under me. And the probability is low, which gives you that, that, that uncertainty because there's still a chance, and, and, but there's only a little bit of faith required to get on this highway. I, I simply argue that that exists in the, in the space, in the cosmos, that exists, and that you must use it. It is a mandatory thing, and um, whether it's a, a, a thing for the layman or, um, or a, a last result, or, yeah, but regardless whether it's either of those two, it, it seems that it definitely exists. Well, faith definitely exists, but the question is, is it a pathway to truth? So in your analogy, there's still no truth. You're just saying, I'm going to take my chances getting on this highway and I might die, but I'm just going to take my chances. Um, you could call that faith or you could call that carelessness. And, and what I'm saying to you is that in life, you're never going to have all of the answers. And at some point, it's not the pathway to answer is uh, to the truth is failure. So if you take this leap of faith and fail, at least we gained insight on how to move forward uh, from here. Yeah, but the whole analogy of a, a leap of faith is, implies that you might die. So if you die, then you ain't gained no insight. You're dead. You find me one person on earth um, that doesn't die when they die, and I'll be afraid to die. But this ain't about you being afraid to die. This is about whether or not faith is a pathway to truth. That's what you call it about, right? Go ahead, go ahead. 
Let me let me step in for a minute. And let me ask you a question, brother. Is battery acid conducive to your health? Will battery acid help you live or is it bad for your health? Is battery acid good, bad for my health? Yes. Uh, yeah, no. Battery acid is bad for my health, yes. How, how do you know that? How do you know battery acid is bad for your health? Um, I know uh, uh, some basic chemistry of acids and batteries, and I know that certain lithium acids cannot be, it's not good for the human skin, it's not good for the human digestive system. How, how do you, I mean, so how, how did you, how did you come up with that factor? Did you use faith or did you use reason, reason, logic, and evidence? I definitely use reason, logic, and evidence. So can you apply that same reason, logic, and evidence to this highway that you're talking about? Like if you go down this highway, can you use that same reason, logic, and evidence for this highway? Uh, to justify what? To justify if going down this highway is conducive to your health or not. It's, um, so the difference I think in these analogies is that I don't really have to, I don't have to digest a battery acid, but there are circumstances where I have to get on the, on the highway. Do you? So I'm. Do you? Well, I mean, if I'm, let's say I'm traveling from state to state. You know, you know, there's a chance that I'm going to have to get on some form of interstate or highway. I mean, you could. Theoretically, you could take back roads, cross country, right? Well, but you're still, you're still faced with the same narrative, just a lower probability of being in a severe accident. There's still a leap of faith simply getting into your car and backing out of your driveway that you're on a public road with volatile people. So when you say probability, how are you? How do you calculate a probability of a thing? Um, well, it's just data. All the data you collect as much data as you can. You put that data okay. together. So when you say you're weighing the probability, you're not really using faith. What you're calling faith is analy- ana- analysis of data. You're weighing the probability of am I going to get into a wreck? Or am I not based on how often wrecks happen, based on how safe of a driver you are? Have you been under the influence of any substances? All of these things that you probably take into consideration before you get onto the highway. So I don't think that you really take a leap of faith, as you put it. And not only that, because I cannot guarantee 100% that, I'm gonna, that I won't get into a wreck, I take a leap of faith every time I get in the car. Would you take a leaf of faith about the battery acid, though? Like, if somebody said, well, battery acid will help settle your stomach if you got, like, bubble guts. So would you take a leap of faith saying, oh, the battery acid might help uh, help uh, settle my stomach, just like this person said? Would you take a leap of faith on that? Well, no, because I've got, I've got enough evidence that suggests that that's not the case. What kind, what kind of evidence do you have that that's not the case? about lithium acid and how and what it can do in terms of corroding your your body yeah Pretty clear evidence okay so can you apply that same can you can you apply the same method of evidence is like taking a back road that's what uh Quayle was talking about can you apply the same evidence as far as battery acid being conducive to your health as far as like a back road would you need to uh, actually 
understand the uh, knowledge of that back road before taking it, like you would take the um, like you would take the knowledge of the foreknowledge of drinking battery acids to settle your stomach. Can you take that same lethal faith or evidence? Because faith is not gonna faith is not required here. Because if you drink battery acid, you're definitely gonna die. That's something we already know. So with this back road, you don't know if you're gonna die or not. You know what I'm saying? But it's been known as a back road that where people get killed or they get lost or something, certain things. So you're going to take your faith and just go down that back road knowing these things that's, that can be harmful to you. That's just like saying, I will I, I will take my chances of they drinking this battery acid to settle my stomach. See what I'm saying? The thing is that the leap of faith, is, of faith is when you don't know. It's not when you know. When you know, you go with what you know. Like I said, faith is a last resort. But it's, it, uh, at some point, you gotta, you have to, you have to take it full advantage of it, or you're gonna oh. be sitting there. But it, whether or not you're using it uh, as a last resort or not, is it a pathway to the truth? Can faith be used to get to the truth? If, if, if there are, I don't know, three scenarios, and we're trying to figure out which one is true, can we use faith to do so? Got you. So. So uh, all I can say is I'll give you my old answer. If you want a direct answer and say, can we use this faith point in and of itself to gain wisdom? I would say no. However, if you're asking me that if I take, if I act blindly and, and fail, and in some way I learn something new, then yes, in order for me to gain new information, I must take that leap, fail, and then learn what I've learned. All right, can I um, just add my two cents, my opinion? I always like to uh, clarify when I'm when I'm speaking opinion versus when I'm stating the fact. So this is my opinion. It sounds to me like you, for some reason, feel, I don't know, the desire or dare I say the need to use this word faith. Because when you describe it, I wouldn't define what you're describing as faith. You know, you say you act and then you you learn something from it. That's called experimentation and testing. That's not faith. So faith. But the fact is, the matter is that you act, you you took an action without prior knowledge. All you had was an incomplete pool of data. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's In my opinion, I don't think that's what you're really doing. I think that's for some reason. You say that's what you're doing and you might sincerely believe that's what you're doing. But I don't know of any scenarios where too many people just go blindly and say, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to do this. The highway is a perfect example. No, but like I said, I think, we take I everything into consideration. You wear a seatbelt when you drive, right? Or you just you, you drive with your hands and not your feet. I hope you don't just go all willy nilly and see what's going to happen. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that no matter what you do, there's still a probability that something fatal could happen. But you still move with the presumption that you've taken every precaution and this is the best that we have at the time. Okay, so I got a question. So is faith, justif is, is faith justifiable then? Is it a is it a justifiable, unfalsifiable reason reason to to the truth? Is it a justifiable, unfalsifiable reason to truth? The only the only validation that I can have for faith is is 
when there's no um, reasonable action left to take other than faith. So you say that as if faith is a reasonable action, though. That's what we're getting at. Has faith proven itself to be reasonable? You're saying there's no other reasonable action to take, so I'm going to use this unreasonable action called faith. Well, yeah, because it's it's literally the action in of itself. It's the it's the leap. Why would you use something that you define as unreasonable if we're you're trying to get to a conclusion? Okay, so we're back to the car wreck. We have 91 point, let's say, let's just make this up. I've got 98.1% um, uh, protected according to all of my insurance data for driving on the highway and following the rules of the road. And I made that up, but let's say I've got a 98.1% safety rating and I'm left with 1.9% chance of being in a fatal accident every single day. At faith is is the difference between your car parked on the bridge, not going, versus driving down that bridge and getting on that highway and taking that 1.8% into your own hands in a um, present moment uncontrolled space or atmosphere you have to just move and hope for the best so give me an example of when you just move and hope for the best you personally (laughs) on the highway so when you get on the highway you don't check your mirrors you don't look for oncoming traffic when you merge onto the highway from the on-ramp, you just move and hope for the best, correct? No, that's not what we discussed. That's what I just said is that if you follow the rules of the, of the road and you do the things necessary. But no, 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 no. Where's your faith? I should be able to just get on the highway and just have faith that I'm going to be okay. Because based on your you, argument, that's what you do every time. If you follow the rules of the road, you have a 98.1% chance of not getting into a car wreck. So, okay, so when I'm on the highway, the I do the things that has been done and researched, but I still have a 1.9% chance of dying every time I'm on the highway. Okay, so who created the laws of the highway? Uh, government, rules, regulations. Okay, so who created your faith in uh, faith in God? Say it again. I'm sorry. Who created your faith in God? Was it the same people? You said nature. Uh, yeah, I would say nature, like the patterns in pine cones, patterns in trees, uh, the the fact that the Earth balances itself and regulates itself on an axis, um, the fact that the human can manipulate. Literally everything. Um, I, I just I can't see I, I, I can't see how something so amazing around me was just accidental. So you um are you aware of the phrase argument from incredulity? No. What basically what it means is just because you don't know 
the answer to a thing doesn't mean that you can posit an answer. So what you're saying is I, I don't know of any way how the earth can be on this axis and give us these seasons and we're in this amazing body and we can manipulate all this stuff. So therefore, I'm going to posit a God because I don't know. So therefore, I'm going to say this is the answer. You get what I'm saying? Well, initially, when I got on the phone, I said that it, I, it sounds like these conversations about you know, are about what what can and what cannot be seen, or what exists and what does not exist. Uh huh. But um, um, to your point, you know that seeing things is not the only way that we verify if things actually exist. I can't see yeah. oxygen, but I know oxygen is real. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Exactly. Same with gravity and the wind. It's just things that we can measure and conclude. Right, so anything that exists can be measured in some sort of a way or detected. So how, how did you detect God? How do we get such distinct, um, perfect patterns in things like pond cones and acorns? And Again, even if I didn't know the answer to your question, that doesn't mean that you therefore have the right to posit an answer. Tell, tell us how you tell us how you came to the conclusion that everything was perfect, like everything was designed, intelligent design. Tell us how you, how you came to the conclusion. Who designed everything, according to you, according to your your faith and uh, belief or whatever? Tell us who did that. Um, <laughs> this is getting a little over my head. just the only way that they could be what if a a asymmetrical life form like a, a plant that's not uh doesn't have these patterns that you call perfect they just they don't survive very well and the ones that do survive happen to have that figuration that you call perfect how did you rule that out why did you have to posit a god for for explaining those things well, deposited a God. We're just trying to get to that. Like, so are you depositing that a God did this? And and according to your worldview, uh, this is a per, this is perfect. How do you know it's perfect? What makes you think it's perfect? How do you know just it, it can be a natural occurrence? What makes you think it's perfect? Is it perfect according to you, or is it perfect according to your God, or just perfect according to uh, uh, formation? Because everything was formed, not created. Because you have to actually have a mind. A God has to have a physical mind in order to create. Because a God cannot exist outside of space, time, space and time. That does not make sense because we're in a we're supposed to be in a closed system. Am I correct or wrong? So I mean, right. So um, how did you how did you come to the conclusion that it was perfect? That what made it perfect? I wouldn't argue that it's perfect. I, I argue that uh, everything naturally balances itself. So there's always a volatility, but it's a positive and negative positive, uh, volatility that sort of nets neutral zero. Um, as far as the answer to being there being a creator versus things just being formed, um, I think um, I 
tend to lean toward the idea that, like, that we are all of God. So anything that doesn't survive is just not. It's just not completely of God. It's not. Oh, so it's heads I win, tails you lose. Say it again. I'm sorry. It's heads I win, tails you lose. Anything that you define as anything that survived, you say is made of God. But if it didn't survive, it's not made of God. Even though you haven't added any evidence that leads to your God. It's just your claim. It's just like saying, let's flip a coin. Heads I win, tails you lose. Hmm. So are you arguing that, it sounds like you're arguing that no matter what, if we get to a point where we don't know, we can't just magically make up a creator and say some magical creator made this out of thin air. That's exactly what I'm saying. Why would you why would you do that? So if if um if you went outside and saw that your vehicle was missing and you know you parked it in this particular spot and it's not there, would you automatically assume that God stole your car or would you think that maybe some uh non-supernatural cause maybe major car change locations well given the circumstances i would i would first research whether somebody took my car or repoed my car I'm, no 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 it's a yes or no question uh, really a a or b so would you yep. jump to the supernatural cause or would you go for the natural cause i would i would lean b the natural cause Okay, so why don't you do that for explanation of the origin of life? If all we have is examples of things occurring naturally, and we have exactly zero examples of things occurring supernaturally, despite many years of people attempting to find such a thing, why would you then jump to a supernatural conclusion for anything? Hello? The idea that I might have ninety eight point one percent of this information, but at some point I don't, I don't have the information. I got to get on this highway. Got to get to work. Okay, so let me let me ask you another question. Okay, so 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 you're so you're a, I can I can now let me let me get you wrong now. Um, are you a creationist or are you a uh, fundamentalist? Like as far as like the Bible's taken metaphorically and uh, figuratively, are you a creationist? Are you are you asking me? Am, am I do am I do I have the ability to create or? Was he's asking. Created? Um, he's asking. Do you take the Bible literally or more figuratively? Or do you do you think the Bible everything in the Bible is exactly true as is written? I got you. So yeah, no, I I don't know for certain. So where I like to leave it at is that is this: the three little pigs definitely didn't happen, but that third nigga. <laughs> smart, and we should probably take some advice from him, and uh, uh, and uh, and do what he did over the two other pigs. Okay, so would you, at that point, when you what you're saying is, you found some valuable lesson in in this story, right? So right, what if I told you? Right. So while everybody else is arguing over whether the three pigs are real or not, you. What if I told you that the three little pigs was plagiarized 
from a earlier story 3,000 years before the Three Little Pigs, and they're almost identical. And the original story was written by your ancestors. But you're reading the Three Little Pigs instead of the Three Little Twa people. Well, that's fair, but at the end of the day, we're still talking about the, the f- forget about the Christianity. I don't, you guys brought up the three little p, uh, the Christianity, and what, but your question was, do I think these things happen figuratively or literally? And I think that okay, um, at some point in time, some bad guy probably tried to set up uh, set a uh, village on fire, and the two villages got destroyed, and one village stood up and fought, and was able to hold up a real front that allowed them to survive that attack. Or it's just a okay. Sport. So, let me, yeah, go yeah, ahead, man. No, what I was going to ask, okay, so you got the three little pigs is Judaism, you got the Snow White and the Seven Doors as Islam, and then you got uh, Ray Riding Hood as Christianity. Now, they all stem from one story. Now, what does all those stories have in common? A bad guy, right? A good guy and a bad guy, right? So who was the bad guy in um, Snow White and the Seven Doors? I don't remember. No. <laughs> So, so Snow White and the Seven Door. It was the wicked. It was the it was the lady that was trying to give Snow White the the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. So uh, in in uh, Cinderella, same concept. Somebody trying to give her an apple, and the prince has to come rescue her. Right. So in Snow White, it's the same concept. You see what I'm saying? They all have the same concept, but they're just told in different ways. So that's how our ancestors, we had, we had, there's the origins of things and then there's a conclusion to things. So what we're trying to understand you, do you, do you understand that there was a creation story prior to what you believe in now? Yeah, yeah. What's creation story? Are you believe? Are you believing in Genesis creation story, the Talmud, or are you believing in the, the Asher? Are you believing in what, what? Which one are you believing? There's several. There's I several. Know. I actually, I actually lean more towards Big Bang and than but, anything um, else. You know, the Big Bang is not actually. It doesn't describe the creation of the universe. It just describes what happened immediately after the expansion of the universe. It says nothing about what expanded or why it expanded or whether or not that is the beginning so uh, i would argue that the universe is eternal but the truth is nobody really knows whether the universe has a beginning or whether it was eternal and the big bang doesn't answer that question so i'm glad that you said that so there really is moot we have a theory of the big bang that brings us to a point where we truly don't know and then we have a point where we can start where we truly know and then we have a gap where we don't know and we just, everybody just speculates about this gap. I would rather just. Fill the gap with, with a, with a supernatural thing that don't exist. With, uh, I, I, if, as, again, it's not my first choice. Faith is never a first choice, but a last result. It should never be, it shouldn't even be a last resort. So what history has shown us is that there were once many gaps. There was once a time where they didn't know what lightning was okay then this guy they they give credit to benjamin franklin and he discovered that lightning was electricity so they closed that gap they once didn't know what caused rain then they discovered the water evaporates and there's this thing called the rain cycle and they closed that gap then they didn't know whether the earth was round or flat but then eratosthenes 
put two sticks in the ground and measured the circumference. And now we got space probes and satellites out. So we know that the Earth is round. We closed that gap. So what I'm getting at is just because there's gaps doesn't mean there will always be gaps. So there's no, literally no reason to fill a gap that we, we don't have uh, enough data to fill. If we don't know, then we don't know. So there's nobody forcing you to pretend to know everything. So we don't have to right. those gaps. We can try, but to posit something absence of evidence is unreasonable and would probably give you the exact wrong answer every time. Uh, you know, I, I want to reiterate, Quayley, uh to him, like, what made you come to the conclusion that a God did it? Because what you're doing is committing a fallacy called arguments from ignorance. Ignorance, excuse me ignorance so and i'm not, I'm not you know disrespecting you but ignorance basically means you don't know and you're basically just kind of like uh substituting your knowledge for oh therefore this this happened you know what i'm saying so that's called an arguments from ignorance means uh the gap the god of the gaps so how did were you able to fill in the god of the gaps argument how was you able to fill in god as the creator of the universe now you got to ask yourself at this before i let you answer you got to ask yourself this, does God, is God a physical being or a immaterial being? If you say God is an immaterial being, then how can anything of an immaterial substance materialize anything of an organic substance? If God is a material being, then that means God has the ability to die because we're of a organic nature. So if you're saying that God cannot die, so you mean to tell me anything of an organic substance cannot die? Or God has some kind of power that we don't know about that you know about. So go ahead and answer. Um, I kind of lean towards the idea that God is in all things. So, and then our body, our conscious dies, but our body just um, is, is energy that gets recycled back into the earth. Um, it's I think that the, the the argument is that my efforts. My goals, my dreams, everything that I want, it, it gets put into the atmosphere and then competes with everything else in that atmosphere. Even even just simply speech. Uh, I think in some way, shape, or form, all of this energy, that's live energy, is God. It just, it's just an unknown thing that we don't know what to call it. Why would you why would you uh say that? Why won't you just leave it where it is? It's all the energy, period. I feel that. And I I, I feel that one of my biggest pet peeves is destroying false narratives and to attach that to a three letter word that's dog in reverse doesn't really do much. So I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't know if you but who's God is the energy special energy is something and it's very special. It's special to me, and I think it's special to humanity, and I think that uh, in some way, shape, or form, we, we, we embrace that, and we move forward so, um, with that energy. With that in mind, uh, if the whole Who's Earth God? disappeared, for whatever reason, if the Earth just disappeared out of the universe, on the grand scheme of things, how different would the universe be? Well, it would be wholeheartedly different because without the universe, the universe wouldn't be as it is. I said, 
if the earth disappeared. I mean, without the earth, yeah, without the earth, the universe <laughs> would not be. Uh, I, I agree. That's why I'm asking how different would it be? Quantify it. I'm not, would well, it be? I'm not sure I'm smart enough to answer that question. I mean, would it be drastically different? Would it be a little different? Would it be slightly different? I mean, all right, let me help you out. I would say that it would be 99.9999999% the same because Earth, in the, compared to the size of the universe, is very small. So everything that you're calling special, if we got rid of all of the life on the Earth, in the grand scheme of things, nothing really would change. So how is it special? Uh, I, I, I don't see how you can prove that. I think we're playing in a hypothetical. It's not. It's not. It's not a matter that I have no to prove. Way. It's just. It's just a um, pretty. I don't. I hate the word common sense because it's not common. But it's just things well, that you should be able to there's, there's to discern. No basis. There's no basis for this argument in any regard. If you take away everything that's ever been known by humans, then what do you have left? I don't know. What was was religion created by humans? Was like the God belief created by humans? Uh, it seems like it. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> the narrative so, so is around human survival. So, so God, so if the God concept was created by humans. What makes you think that a God is real and that He's the creator or it's the creator? I don't say He or She. I just say It. Yeah, we do know. We do know about how the pyramids are built. Cause I mean, I I, I, don't, I don't know what you. Mean. These are the humans that that um, God created for for His entertainment, I presume. No, sir. So the reality is that you have a choice. If God made you do what He said, then you wouldn't be free to choose as you want to choose. However, you shouldn't choose to jump off a bridge. Yet people should choose to jump off a bridge every day. But how do you know that God did not choose that for you? Because if you have free choice, if a God knows that you're going to choose something prior to you choosing it, does, do you have free will? Because I know you're getting into the free will argument. So if God does not, if God chooses for you, if the God's plan is for you to jump off that bridge, did you actually choose it or did God choose it? Because according to Ephesians 1.11, it said you are predestined to do God's will according to him. 
So if you're predestined to jump off a bridge, did you really choose it or did God choose it? I think that that's an interesting dynamic, and it's that's always a tough question for me to answer, and I'm not sure how to answer it. Okay. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. So at one, when, when, when the person is standing on the edge of the corner or edge of a cliff and they have the choice to jump and not jump, they can choose either or. But I do believe that there's people that get to the edge of the cliff and say, well, if, if I do this, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten are going to happen. Therefore, I'm going to jump, and this is going to um, uh, perpetuate the will that I've been sold or given. So how would you so how would you know if it's God's will for you to jump off that cliff? How would you determine that? What, what would you be your evidence for God actually saying, "Hey, I need you to jump off the cliff"? How would you determine that that it's true and not just your uh, you just basically thinking in your head? How would you determine? How would you? How would you? To, hold on for a second. How would you be able to to determine that God told you to jump off the cliff? What if, what if, what if you decide not to jump off the cliff? Are you more powerful than God to change His will? That's kind of that's what I'm telling you is that you have a choice. You have a choice to to jump off of this cliff or not every single time. And you what, what is God's that. choice? Then? So God say jump off the cliff. Would you do it? If you're if you're thinking that God's saying, "Hey, I need you going to kill yourself so you can be with me," would you do it? Would I do it? I don't. I'm not jumping off a cliff. Even if God told you. Say it again, even if God tell me, I mean, like I told you, I think that, I think that, that, um, God is in all things, so I don't, I don't ever see myself telling myself to jump off of a cliff. But is God in all things? Is, is a, um, energy that we really cannot explain in all things, yes. So, so basically, God is in you. Or basically, you're just saying that God is basically in you because you said you would not do it if God, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be compelled to jump off a cliff even if God told you to. So either you're more powerful than your God, or your God does not exist, and it's just really you. That's well, what I'm saying. I believe that God is is just in all things. So, so what, uh, what you're calling God. What you're That's calling really God, God is, is not really God at all. So you don't believe in this um, intelligent celestial being creator of the universe. You just like to use the word God to describe things that actually exist, like energy. <laughs> I, 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 you know, as a layman, that's probably a um, something that happens often. I mean, I'm asking, uh, is that is that the case? Is your God energy or is your God an intelligent creator of the universe? It's, a, it's just a natural energy that survives and pushes humanity forward. Okay. So basically, you are a atheist who, who defines God as something natural. Or deist. I mean, that's the, I'm, I'm asking because that's, the, that's what it sounds like. I'm not um, trying to paint you. Right. Well, yeah, right. But I, I, at the end, I, 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 we go back to the probability narrative and the idea that at some point we have to take this leap of faith. We have all of this evidence around us 
that points to some sort of sophisticated, controlled energy that's moving and evolving in a very, very peculiar way. Scientists don't know exactly what it is, but yet they move forward confident in faith that they're going to figure out more and more and get more and more answers. And, and, and to be honest, to tie this to Christianity, um, it actually doesn't discredit this as a, as a viable, reasonable option. And it says that we, that Jesus specifically encouraged that we, encourages us to follow the truth. So what makes you think that science are using scientists are using faith when they have the evidence to actually prove that things work? Say for instance, like they they discovered how to cure headaches with anacetaminophen, uh, excuse me, anacetaminophen, which is uh, basically a uh, blood blood vessel restriction to keep you from having headaches. Did they use faith or did they use scientific research to discover Tylenol? Basically, Tylenol was that faith or was that scientific research? scientific research was the end product but at some point <laughs> two languages was walking through the grass picking up a bunch of different random flowers to see which one is going to work in faith that eventually one would work no, 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 no. You can't, you can't use faith and knowledge in the same context, sir. Uh, you have to understand. I'm, I'm, why I'm asking is, how did doctors know that acetaminophen or whatever? I can't pronounce it. I'm so sorry for the show. Please forgive me, y'all. <laughs> uh, Nobody can pronounce this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's, 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 they discovered that tree bark has that substance in it because uh, Native Americans used to chew on tree bark in order to get rid of a headache. So how did how did the scientists know in the, in, in the uh, that it was acetaminophenol or whatever Tylenol and fake? I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree that they took a scientific process and dwindled down to key evidence that points to this is how you resolve this headache, but. But before Tylenol existed, or a set of phetamine, or a pseudophetamine, before it existed, two random white, I, I'm, I, I was like saying this because it's funny, but some random white bitches was walking through the grass, plucking flowers, saying we're going to take this to the husband, and we're going to test these out, and we're going to see what they do. They don't know. They didn't know that they were going to... Have poison ivy bump into their legs. They didn't. You, they didn't even know. You understand. You understand that that's not faith. That's that's literally a scientific experiment. That, that's a hypothesis. So that's hypothesis. What do you call her willingness to go into the? That's her hypothesis. That's her test. She has a hypothesis. Now she's beginning to test it out. Yeah, that's not faith. She didn't use faith to go into that, you know, for the test. She didn't use faith. She used observation. She used observation, which is one of the six of the scientific methods. It's actually six scientific methods. I will get into that, you know, later on. But um, she has, she used one of the six scientific methods to actually determine what whether this was conducive or inconclusive to the health to the health of a human being. That's why I brought up the whole battery acid thing. Majority of the world calls faith observation or 
No, I would say that, that might be the case for you, but not the majority of the world. I think the majority of the world uses faith when they don't have a a good reason. They just plug faith in. They're, right. They're, they, they've run out of things to observe. They've run out of information. I got you. And now the, there's this um this uncontrollable habit of just saying, okay. Well, no, 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 no. It's not an uncontrollable habit. It's not an uncontrollable habit. It's a thought behavior that's given to you from childhood through your religion you 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 don't just faith is not some natural thing that everybody uses you somebody got to tell you about faith and you probably heard about it from your preacher man or your parents who heard about it from their preacher man do you disagree have a, a serious misunderstanding of what science is first of all science doesn't paint narratives and the only reason why you think that that is the narrative is probably because it's true science is the most reliable method that we have to discern things that are true from things that are not true it's not anybody's opinion or any narrative that we're painting it's just a simple fact if you have something that works better than science present that to the world and then we'll use that we're not hooked on science it's just that science works the dilemma is that it goes back to my original saying of that I believe, and remember we've had this discussion before where this is often, I don't know, but I believe that there's more that we cannot see than there is that we can see. And therefore, what? And therefore, something that, that comes with wisdom is paired with this science to help us to navigate this. No, that and doesn't follow. Um, it's, it's the same. So I was born prior to Google, but the majority of my, my entire adulthood, including a huge portion of my teenage years, was using Google. And I know quite a bit. But I know without a doubt that Dick Gregory could probably teach me, prior to his death, rest in peace, Dick Gregory, could teach me ten times what I know. And this is, this is on the merit of his experiences and his time on earth. And I'm, I'm just saying that in the, and he's seen more than I've seen. And even though he probably wouldn't consider himself a true scientist, I'm sure that he would encourage me to reference science more often than not, but I'm willing to bet that Dick Gregory kind of believes in some sort of unknown or unexplainable force. Yeah, but just because Dick Gregory believes it, does that mean that it's true? See, Dick Gregory is a human, and you do know that humans are fallible. Humans are subject 
to hallucinations. They can be under uh, mis misinformed. They can have all types of things that lead them to the wrong conclusion. There's uh, your senses can fail you. You think you heard something that you didn't hear. How many times have you ever said something to somebody and they try to tell you you said something else? And you're like, no, I said this. And they say, well, no, nah, you said this. Because humans, our senses are limited. So when you say there's more that we can see than what we can't see, therefore, the correct answer after therefore should have been therefore we need to expand our detection devices. We need better tools than our five senses, which we have we have implemented some. We have the telescope, we have the microscope, we have the thermometer, we got x-ray machines, all of these tools that allow us to see those things that you're talking about that we can't see. So while there are things that we can't see, we can still detect them. That doesn't mean that there's this whole universe out there that unknown to us and we only live in this small part. So therefore we can make up whatever the fuck we want to make up. That doesn't follow. We can still. I disagree. <clears throat> I disagree. I, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but all you know, as far as, as far as what we can study is on a color spectrum. Anything outside of that color spectrum you have no conscious about. No, you're wrong, like brother. You're wrong, brother. What is a uh, what is the infrared light? They, can you see it with your eyes? No, it's beyond red. Ultraviolet. You can't see it with your eyes. It's beyond violet. Gamma rays, microwaves. All of these are light, just like the light, that, the colors that you're talking about. You just you can't see them, but we still can detect them. We still use them. And um, one of y'all got some noise going on in the background. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Okay. What it sounds like a squeak. Oh, it's not me. Oh, we might be getting some feedback or something. I don't know. All right. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah I, I went. I, go ahead. Come I back. went on. Yeah, yeah, I went on mute. My bad. I mean, I went on mute. I hope they, it ain't me. Cause I went on mute. I'm getting ready for work, so you know. Yeah, so I, I just been listening, so I hope it wasn't me. So is everything cool, come collective? Yeah, man. But um, I appreciate you calling in, Dan, man. Uh, anytime you want to call back, man. Um, I think uh, we pretty much heard each other out. Uh, we probably not gonna get too much farther in this conversation, but we live every Sunday. You call back anytime you want, brother. Well, I think that what you guys are doing is very noble, and I say keep up the good work. I'm never afraid to take an opposing stance. Um, um, personally, I feel like at the worst case scenario, you get a little judgment from the left or the right. And I don't really care about what people think. But I think you guys are really on to something in terms of bringing our community together and understanding um, a little bit about how things are versus false narratives in the air. So keep it up. Whether we agree or disagree, I'm going to continue to support you guys. Uh, make sure you guys continue to support Quelly Kush and uh, Atheist Experience. Uh, these are phenomenal gentlemen. Thank you, Kwame, as well. I appreciate it, man. I'll let you. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. All right, man. That was interesting. Yeah, very, very. I'm, I'm glad for the, we're getting more callers. Actually, I've been, uh, I've been uh, uh, proselytizing our, um, our, um, our uh, show within the uh, atheist versus religions, leaving religion. I've been, pro I've been proselytizing all of our, um, our, uh, our, our show 
throughout the whole Facebook community. So that's probably why we got callers coming in. So we're going to get more callings other than just him. I even, like I said, Sunday at certain time, you know what I'm saying? So I just gave him a, a big old time frame that way they can call in. So um, my thing is, yeah. So my thing is, I mean, the guy was he was he was a, he was a free thinker. He basically was a free thinker, and uh, he didn't reject us. Like I had a pastor, Tony Flemings, from my hometown. He didn't want to come on because I, I should have never said, "Hey, this is what preachers are going to tell you." And he he has a big congregation, and if I brought it up, he knew that he was. I told him, I said, "Look, we'll blot your picture out. You ain't got to be on our show physically. You ain't got to see your face. But we just want to know why you, but why you think that you should teach our people this lie every Sunday? Why should you teach Matthew twenty four thirty four? Why should you teach all that shit to our people to keep us in a submissive state?" Just wait on God. Just wait on this. God's coming back. Blah, blah, blah. Do you know that our parents have been, I'm 36 years old, and you're probably, what, 28, 29, or 30? I'm uh, 31. 31. Okay, cool. Your mama been, your mama been <laughs> believing this shit. My mama been, my mama 55, still believing that Jesus is going to come back in her lifetime, man. And that's something that we got to get over, man. Jesus is not coming back. That's why I wanted to uh, do a show on reasons why Jesus is not coming back and he already been back and then gone again. And the reason why I say he's been back and gone again, because it's the rise of the sun and the set of the sun. <laughs> See right. what I'm saying? Jesus comes back and then he sets again. Every eye will see him. Every eye will bow. I mean, every knee will bow. We will always see him. And no, I will, nobody will be able to hide from his wrath or anything. That's Revelations 1 7. You can read it yourself. And it's, it's deeper than that, man. Because that's all the religions, even the ancient African religions, you know what I'm saying? Although I am Kwali Kush, I am going to tell you the truth. They all are based on the sun, too. These are not real people that existed. When we're talking about Jesus, Horus, Osiris, it's all about the sun and the stars and the earth. That's it. Asha. Ashe, brother. Ashe. And they don't realize that they need to say Ashe instead of Amen. Because if they don't realize when they say, oh, Jesus, we in your name, we pray Jesus, Amen. They don't realize that they're showing homage to the Egyptian sun god, Ray. Ray or Ra. Uh, Malachi 4.2. I was going to get after, um, what was I saying, uh, Quayley? Uh, I was talking about uh, Hosea chapter 13, verse 4. I'm the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. Then I was going to go into uh, Malachi 4.2, where it says, what does it say in Malachi 4 2? I know it, I know it by heart, but pull out your Bibles. Pull out your Bibles. Go to Hosea. Uh, go, excuse me, go to Malachi 4 2. It said, I'm the Lord thy I'm 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 the um excuse me, for the son of righteousness with healing in his rays. And some translations it said for healing within his rays. What comes down? Sun rays. God turned, Jesus turned water into wine. All this stuff is dealing with the sun. I'm the bright and morning star. Revelations 1, excuse me, Revelations 1, 7 says, uh, all, all eyes will see him, every knee will shall bow. That's what they used to do when the sun comes up because nothing happened good, nothing happens good after the sun sets. I'm on my way to work right now, and I don't mean to put my business out there, but I'm on my way to work right now, and nothing happens good after 12 a.m. So that's what they're thinking because they was afraid of the dark. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, I know it may sound like, oh, these, they act like some, no, 
everything after dark, the predator field night was things that our ancient ancestors, ancestors, excuse me, African ancestors, they um prayed for the sun to come up. Yeah. So they had to survive through the night. Yeah, because you gotta understand how how scary the night used to be. There wasn't all this uh, light coming from the city and all these street lights and all that. It got really, really dark in these ancient times. You couldn't see shit. And it was lions and tigers and bears out there. And you wake up the next morning and Mutombo was gone. And this is just, just his bones laying there. Yeah, that shit w would be scary. And they probably yeah. did come up with some stories to talk about it and, you know what I'm saying, help them cope with that. So let, let so let me iterate, uh, Quayle. Say Set Set was the ancient Egyptian god of the darkness. He was jealous of his brother Osir or Osiris, as the Greek call him. We call him Osir. So he was favored by his water goddess and his physical goddess, which is Aset or Ast, was considered the throne. Nephis was considered the rain or the moisture. So Set was jealous of his brother Osir, Osir, or as you know him as Osiris. So he killed his brother Osiris, chopped him into, up into 14 pieces. Only thing they found was his phallus. So with the help of Ray, Ast, Ast, her name is not Isis or Aset, it's called Ast. So her name, Ast, said, Ray, I need you to help me find my husband, Osir. So when she found Osir, 14 pieces of Osir, there was only one piece missing, which was his phallus. So she created a phallus for him to create Heru. Heru, Heru was was uh, created to avenge his father's death. Does that sound familiar? Hmm? Mm -hmm. Familiar? <laughs> you feel me? So y'all got to understand where this Jesus story come for, from. Jesus said in Matthews 1, said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So that Jesus meant I'm not going to take away the Old Testament law. No, I'm going to fulfill it. So y'all means, that means you Hebrew Israelites, you lying ass Hebrews. Can I say that? Can I say that? Queen? Fuck can I say lying ass? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you lying ass Hebrews. Y'all ain't following no goddamn 10 commandments. Y'all following 16, 613 commandments. That means you niggas are working on Sunday. You niggas ain't killing no homosexuals. You're not stoning your children at the end of, at the end of, uh, What's at the edge of town where, uh, in Deuteronomy uh, 22, something like that. You're not stoning your children. You're, you're working on a Sunday. Cause I know some of you nigga brews. Excuse me. I'm sorry. It's your show. I'm, bro, I'm frustrated. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so none of you nigga brews is not working on. Y'all niggas working on Sunday. I got a Hebrew friend. His name, uh, that's one I've been trying to get on the show. He will never come on the show. But that nigga work on Sunday. He worked for UPS. He's a big stack boxes. But you ain't saying, oh, I can't work on something. You ain't telling your boss that. Come on now. And they ain't getting slaves from the nations around them. I'm waiting on one of these Hebrew Israelites to pop up with some white slaves. I ain't seen it yet. But it's right there in your book that you hold up and yell on the side of the sidewalk at, at motherfuckers walking by. But you won't follow it. You pick and choose it's what you want to follow. That's why I don't respect y'all niggas, man. Exactly. They talking about, well, you comedic brothers. You atheist brothers. Y'all ain't following. So first of all, atheist brothers don't follow shit. We ain't got no book to follow. Oh, free science thinkers. is your book. Yeah, yeah, we're free thinkers. So science, the science, science, science is not a religion. We're not going to go to hell because we follow science. We're not going to go to heaven because we follow science. So whatever you're trying to convey that your religion has proselytized in your mind that got you thinking that something is greater than you or outside of you, then that's your problem. That's not mine. 
So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get more callers while you was dealing with him. I was trying to, uh, we're supposed to be having sister, uh, Yashirel. She was calling herself Yashua Yashirel or something like that from Facebook. So we're waiting on her call. She said she's going to call in about five, 10 minutes. She's busy right now. So we should be getting a Hebrew Israelite calling in, a female Hebrew Israelite calling in in about 10 minutes. So what do you have, Quali, uh, Quali? Uh, I just got a little excerpt from this website I wanted to go through. Uh, do you have any more material that you wanted to get through? If you got some more, then I can let you uh, finish that up. If not, then we can go. Yeah, go go ahead, man. This is perfect, man. Go ahead, bro. Okay, we're going to go to a commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll finish with the second half of the show on New Atheist Experience. <laughs> Kevin and us, fuck that, all that shit. Y'all hoes gotta get off this corner with that. We're gonna get right back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, but first, please take a moment to hit the like button. Push the button. If it's your first time here, hit the subscribe button. Come on, push the button. If you're already subscribed, make sure you hit the little bell icon. That way you get a notification every time we post a new video. or visiting the royal throne. Sometimes I even like to listen to audiobooks as I fall asleep. If you use the link in the description, you can get two free audiobooks. That's two books of your choice, absolutely free, just for signing up via the link in the description. And you can even give Audible as a gift for someone you care about. Join Audible today. Hey, what's up? This is your boy, Kwali Kush. If you like the videos on this channel, then why not visit our website, kwalikush.com. We post every day with topics ranging from religion to science, critical thinking, black-owned businesses, and much, much more. On the website, you'll also find links to all of the other social media related to Kwali Kush. I personally post a book recommendation daily to the blog, and we are um, 420 friendly. So come on down, visit us, leave a comment, and let us know what you think. Qualicush.com. Heaven in us, fuck that, all that shit. Y'all hoes gotta get off this corner with that. We're gonna. Alright, welcome back to the new atheist experience with Quali Kush and Kwame Ramesu. Alright, if you got any calls, please get your calls in anytime. It's a live call in show, and we do welcome all callers. So I was um, scouring the internet as I do periodically. And I came across this website called Why Won't God Heal Amputees? And man, let me tell you, I love this website. So if you haven't been before, please check it out. Especially if if you are uh, in the religious sector, you consider yourself a Christian, or if you're in the process of transitioning, you've been questioning your beliefs, and maybe you're trying to figure out where you should stand or what you should do, this website is a big, big help. So... <clears throat> I want to share with y'all um, something from the website because it was very interesting and there's a little experiment involved and you will, if you want to participate in the experiment, you will need a coin and it's, it's very simple, 
but you're going to need a coin. So get that together, and I'm going to go ahead and get started with the reading, and I'll let you know when you can bring your coin up. Okay, here are several examples that can help you understand how religion works in our world today. Example number one. Let's imagine that I tell you the following story. There's a man who lives at the North Pole. He lives there with his wife and a bunch of elves. During the year, he and the elves build toys. Then on Christmas Eve, he, on Christmas Eve, he loads up a sack with all the toys. He puts the sack in his sleigh. He hitches up eight or possibly nine flying reindeer. He then flies from house to house, landing on rooftops of each one. He gets out with his sack and climbs down the chimney. He leaves toys for children of the household. He climbs back up the chimney, gets back in his sleigh, and flies to the next house. He does all this all around the world in one night. Then he flies back to the North Pole to repeat the cycle next year. This, of course, is the story of Santa Claus. But let's say that I am an adult and you are my friend. And I reveal to you that I believe that this story is actually true. I believe it with all my heart. And I try to talk about it with you and convert you to believe it as I do. What would you think of me? You would think that I'm delusional and rightly so. Why would you think that I'm delusional? Is it because you know that Santa is imaginary? The story is total is a total fairy tale. No matter how much I talk to you about it, you are not going to believe that Santa is real. Flying reindeer, for example, are make-believe. The dictionary defines delusion as a false belief strongly held in spite of invalidating evidence. And that definition fits this situation perfectly. Since you are my friend, you might want to help me realize that my belief in Santa is delusional. The way that you would try to shake me from my delusion is to ask me some questions. For example, you might say, but how can the sleigh carry enough toys for everyone in the world? I say to you that the sleigh is magical and it has the ability to do this intrinsically. How does Santa get into houses and apartments that don't have chimneys? I say Santa can make chimneys appear and disappear at will. How does Santa get down the chimney if there's a fire in the fireplace? I say Santa has a special flame resistant suit and it cleans itself too. Why doesn't the security system ever detect Santa? I say Santa is invisible to all security systems. How can Santa travel fast enough to visit every child in one night? I say Santa is timeless and therefore is not restricted by time. How can Santa, whether every child has been good or bad, or how can Santa know whether every child has been good or bad? I say Santa knows everything. Why are the toys distributed so evenly? So unevenly, I'm sorry. Why are the toys distributed so unevenly? Why does Santa deliver more toys to rich kids, even if they're bad, than he does to poor kids? There is no way for us to understand the mysteries of Santa because we are mere mortals. But Santa and his reasons, for example, perhaps poor children would be unable to handle a flood of the expensive electronic toys. How would they afford the batteries? So Santa spares them this burden. These are all quite logical questions that you have asked. I have answered all of them for you. I am wondering why you can't see what I see and why you are wondering how I can be so insane. Why didn't my answer satisfy you? Why do you still know that I am delusional? It is because my answers have done nothing but confirm my delusion. My answers are ridiculous. In order to answer my questions, I invented completely out of thin air a magical sleigh, a magical self-cleaning suit, magical chimneys, timelessness, and a magical invisibility. You don't believe my answers because you know that I'm making this stuff up. 
the invalidating evidence is voluminous. Now, let me show you another example. Imagine that I tell you the following story. I was in my room one night. Suddenly, my room became exceedingly bright. Next thing I know, there's an angel in my room. He tells me an amazing story. He says that there's a set of ancient golden plates buried in the side of a hill in New York. On them are the books of a lost race of Jewish people who inhabited North America. These plates bear inscriptions in foreign languages of people. Eventually, the angel leads me to the plates and lets me take them home. Even though the plates are in a foreign language, the angel helps me to decipher and translate them. Then the plates are taken up into heaven, never to be seen again. I have the book that I translated from the plates. It tells amazing things, an entire civilization of Jewish people living here in the United States 2,000 years ago. And the resurrected Jesus came and visited these people. I also showed the golden plates to a number of real people who are my eyewitnesses. I have their signed attestations that they did. In fact, see and touch the plates before the plates were taken up into heaven. Now, what would you say to me about this story? Even though I do have a book in English that tells the story of the lost Jewish civilization, and even though I do have signed attestations, what do you think? The story still sounds delusional, doesn't it? You would ask me some obvious questions. For example, at the very simplest level, you might ask where the ruins and artifacts from this Jewish civilization in America are. The book transcribed from the plates talks about millions of Jewish people doing all kinds of things in America. They have horses, oxen, chariots, and armor, and large cities. What happened to all of this? I answer simply, it's all out there, but we haven't found it yet. Not one city, not one chariot wheel, not one helmet, you ask? No, we haven't found a single bit of evidence, but it's out there somewhere. You ask me dozens of questions like this, and I have answers for them all. Most people would assume that I am delusional if I told them this story. They would assume that there were no plates and no angel and that I, I had written a book myself. Most people would ignore the attestations. Most people would attest it means nothing really. I could have paid the attesters off or I could have fabricated them. Most people would reject my story without even questioning. What's interesting is that there are millions of people who actually do believe this story of the angel and the plates and the book of the Jewish people living in North America 2,000 years ago. Those millions of people are the members of the Mormon church headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah. The person who told this incredible story was a man named Joseph Smith, and he lived in the United States in the early 1800s. He told this story and recorded what he translated from the plates in the Book of Mormon. If you meet a Mormon and ask them about this story, they can spend hours talking to you about it. They can answer every question you have. Yet the 5.99 billion of us who are not Mormons can see with total clarity that the Mormons are delusional. It is as simple as that. You and I both know with 100% certainty that the Mormon story is no different from the story of Santa. And we are correct in our assessment. The invalidating evidence is voluminous. Now on to example number three. Imagine I tell you this story. A man was sitting in a cave minding his own business. A very bright flash of light appeared. A voice spoke out one word. Read. The man felt like he was being squeezed to death. This happened several times. Then the man asked, Read what? Then the voice said, Read in the name of the Lord who created humans from clinging. Read your Lord is the most generous. He taught people by the pen what they didn't know before. The man ran home to his wife. 
while running home, he saw a huge face of an angel in the sky. The angel told the man that he was to be the messenger of God. The angel also identified himself as Gabriel. At home that night, the angel appeared to the man in his dreams. Gabriel appeared to the man over and over again. Sometimes it was in his dreams, sometimes during the day as a revelation in his heart, sometimes preceded by a painful ringing in his ears. And then the verses would flow from Gabriel right out of the man. And sometimes Gabriel would appear in the flesh and speak. Scribes wrote down everything the man said. Then, one night, about 11 years after the first encounter with Gabriel, Gabriel appeared to the man with a magical horse. The man got on the horse, and the horse took him to Jerusalem. Then the winged horse took the man up to seven layers of heaven. The man was able to actually see heaven and meet and talk with people there. Then Gabriel brought him back to the earth. The man proved that he had actually been to Jerusalem on the winged horse by accurately answering questions about buildings and landmarks there. The man continued receiving revelations from Gabriel for 23 years and then stopped. All of the revelations were recorded by the scribes in a book which we still have today. So what do you make of this story? If you have never heard of the story before, you may find it nonsensical in the same way that you feel about the stories of the Golden Plates and Santa Claus. You would especially feel that once you read the book, you would supposedly that were supposedly transcribed from Gabriel because much of it is opaque. The dreams, the horse, the angel, the ascension, the appearances of the angel in the flesh, you would dismiss them all because it's all imaginary. But you need to be careful. This story is the foundation of the Muslim religion. Practiced by more than a billion people around the world. The man name is Muhammad. And the book is the Quran. This is the sacred story of the Quran's creation and the revelation of Allah to mankind. Despite the fact that a billion Muslims profess some level of belief in this story, people outside of the Muslim faith consider the story to be imaginary. No one believes this story because this story is a fairy tale. They consider the Quran to be a book written by a man and nothing more. A winged horse that flew to heaven? That is imaginary, as imaginary as flying reindeer. If you are a Christian, please take a moment right now to look at the Book of Mormon and Muslim stories. Why is it so easy for you to look at these stories and see that they are imaginary fairy tales? How do you know with complete certainty that Mormons and Muslims are delusional? You know these things for the same reason you know that Santa is imaginary. There is no evidence for any of it. The stories involve magical things like angels and winged horses, hallucinations, dreams, and horses can't fly. We all know that. And even if they could, where would they fly to? The vacuum of space? Or is this horse somehow dematerialized and then rematerialized in heaven? If so, processes like this are made up too. Every bit of it is imaginary. We all know that. An unbiased observer can see how imaginary these three stories are. In addition, Muslims can see that Mormons are delusional, Mormons can see that Muslims are delusional, and Christians can see that both Mormons and Muslims are delusional. So, let's look at one final example. Imagine if I told you this story. God inseminated a virgin named Mary in order to bring his son incarnate into our world. Mary and her fiancé Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem to register for the census. There, Mary gave birth to the Son of God. God put a star in the sky to guide people to the baby. In a dream, God told Joseph to take his family to Egypt. Then God stood by and watched as Herod killed thousands and thousands of babies in Israel in an attempt to kill Jesus. As a man, God's son claimed that he was God incarnate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This man performed many miracles. He healed lots of sick people. 
He turned water into wine. These miracles prove that he is God. But he was eventually given the death sentence and killed by crucifixion. His body was placed in the tomb. But three days later, the tomb was empty. And the man, alive once again, but still with his wounds, so anyone who doubted could see them and touch them, appeared to many people in many places. Then he ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, never to be seen again. Today, you can have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. You can pray to this man and he will answer your prayers. He will cure your diseases, rescue you from emergencies, help you make important business and family decisions, comfort you in times of worry and grief, etc. This man also gives you eternal life. And if you are good, he has a place for you in heaven after you die. The reason we all know this is because after the man died, four people named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote accounts of the man's life. Their written attestations are proof of the veracity of the story. This, of course, is the story of Jesus. Do you believe it? If you're a Christian, you probably do. I could ask you questions for hours. I could, and you will have answers for every one of them. In just the same way that I had answers for Sanders questions and that my friend asked me in example one. You cannot understand how anyone could question any of it because it's so obvious to you. Here's the thing I would like to help you understand. The four billion people who are not Christians look at the Christian story in exactly the same way that you look at the Santa story, the Mormon story and the Muslim story. In other words, there are four billion people who stand outside the Christian bubble and they can see really clearly that Christianity is an imaginary story. How do the four billion non-Christians know with complete certainty that the Christian story is imaginary? Because the Christian story is just like the Santa story, the Mormon story, and the Muslim story. There is magical insemination, the magical star, magical dreams, magical miracles, magical resurrection, magical ascension, and so on. People outside the Christian faith look at the Christian story and note these facts. The miracles are supposed to be <clears throat> proof that Jesus is God. But predictably, these, mir these miracles left behind no tangible evidence for us to examine and scientifically verify today. They all involve faith healings and magic tricks. Jesus is resurrected, but predictably, he does not appear to anyone today. Jesus ascended into heaven and answers our prayers. But predictably, when we pray to him, nothing happens. We can statistically analyze prayer and find that prayers are never answered. The book where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John make their attestations does exist, but predictably, it is chock full of problems and contradictions. The list goes on and on. In other words, the Christian story is a fairy tale, just like the other three examples we examined. Now, look what happened inside your mind at this moment. I am using solid, verifiable evidence to show you that the Christian story is imaginary. Your rational mind can see the evidence. Four billion non-Christians would be happy to confirm for you that the Christian story is imaginary. However, if you are practicing Christianity, you can probably feel your religious mind overriding both your rational mind and your common sense as we speak. Why? Why were you able to use your common sense to so easily reject the Santa story, the Mormon story, and the Muslim story, but when it comes to the Christian story, why, which is just imaginary, why are you not so easily changing your mind? Try for a moment to look at Christianity with the same amount of healthy skepticism that you use when approaching the stories of Santa, Joseph Smith, and Muhammad. Use your common sense to ask some very simple questions and ask yourself, is there any physical evidence that Jesus existed? 
The answer is no. He left no trace. His body ascended into heaven. He wrote nothing down. None of his miracles left any permanent evidence. This is literally nothing. Is there any reason to believe that Jesus actually performed these miracles or that he rose from the dead or that he ascended into heaven? There is no more of a reason to believe this than there is to believe that Joseph Smith found the golden plates hidden in New York or that Muhammad rode a magical winged horse into heaven. Probably less of a reason, given that the record of Jesus' life is 2,000 years old, while that of Joseph Smith is less than 200 years old. You mean to tell me that I'm supposed to believe that this story of Jesus and there is no proof of evidence to go by beyond a few attestations in the New Testament of the Bible that is provably meaningless? Yes, you are supposed to believe it. You're supposed to take it on faith. No one, besides little kids, believes in Santa Claus. No one outside of the Mormon church believes Joseph Smith's story. No one outside of the Muslim faith believes the story of Muhammad and Gabriel and the winged horse. No one outside the Christian faith believes in Jesus' divinity, miracles, or resurrection, etc. Therefore, the question I will ask you to consider right now is simple. Why is it that human beings can detect fairy tales with complete certainty when those fairy tales come from other faiths, but cannot detect the fairy tales that underpin their own faith? Why do they believe their chosen fairy tale with unrelenting passion and reject the others as nonsense? For example, Christians know that when Egyptians built gigantic pyramids and mummified the bodies of the pharaohs, that it was a total waste of time. Other Christians would who... <clears throat> Otherwise, Christians would be building pyramids. Christians know that when the Aztecs carved the heart of a virgin and ate it, that it accomplished nothing. Otherwise, Christians would kill virgins and do the same thing. Christians know that Muslims face Mecca to pray. That is pointless. Otherwise, Christians would face Mecca to pray when they pray. Christians know that when Jews keep meat and dairy products separate, they are wasting their time. Otherwise, the cheeseburger would not be an American obsession. Yet, when Christians look at their own religion, they are for some reason blind. Why? And no, it has nothing to do with the fact that Christian story is true. Your rational mind knows that with certainty, and so do four billion others. This book, if you will let it, can tell you why. A simple experiment. Alright, so get your coins ready, people. So we're about to get ready to do the experiment. If you are Christian who believes in the power of prayer, here is a very simple experiment that will show you something very interesting about your faith. Take a coin, and now, <clears throat> I want you to sincerely, now, because this is an experiment, so if you participate, you have to do it sincerely. Sincerely pray to the sun god Ra. Alright? Take your coin, and you're going to pray to Ra. Repeat after me. Dear Ra, Almighty Sun God, I'm going to flip this ordinary coin 50 times. I'm asking you to cause it to land head sides up all 50 times. In Ra's name I pray. Amen. Now go ahead and flip the coin. And I'll do it too. So, first flip, heads. Second flip, heads. Third flip, tails. Boom. Ra loses already on the third flip. How far did you get? I don't know. Let me know in the comments. So, Ra didn't answer my prayer. So, I'm not going to waste no more time praying to Ra. Alright? So, what does it mean? Most people look at this data and conclude that Ra is imaginary. 
I prayed to Ra. Ra did nothing. We can prove that Ra is imaginary, at least in the sense of answering prayers, by using statistical analysis. If we flip the coin thousands of times, praying to Ra each time, we will find that the coin lands heads or tails in exact correlation with the normal laws of probability. Ra has absolutely no effect on the coin no matter how much we pray. Even if we find a thousand of Ra's most faithful believers and ask them to do the praying and flipping, the results will be the same. Therefore, as rational people, we conclude that Ra is imaginary. We look at Ra in the same way as we look at leprechauns, mermaids, Santa, and so on. We know that people who believe in Ra are delusional. Now, I want you to try the experiment one more time. But this time, we're going to pray to Jesus Christ. And you got to do it sincerely. So, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that you exist, and I know that you are here and answer prayers as you promised in the Bible. I'm going to flip this ordinary coin 50 times, and I'm asking you to cause it to land head sides up all 50 times. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so first flip. Tails. Well, damn, Jesus. <laughs> damn, Jesus, can I get one? How far did y'all get with Jesus? I really want to know in the comments. I didn't get one. All right, let's go. If we flip the coin thousands of times, praying to Jesus each time, we will find that the coin lands heads or tails in the exact correlation with the normal laws of probability. It is like there are two laws of probability, one for Christians who pray and the other for non-Christians. There is only one law of probability because prayers have zero effect. Jesus has no effect on our planet, no matter how much we pray. We can prove that conclusively using statistical analysis. If you are a Christian, watch what is happening inside your mind right now. The data is absolutely identical in both experiments. With Ra, you looked at the data irrationally and concluded that Ra is imaginary. But with Jesus, something else happened. In your mind, you are already coming up with a thousand rationalizations to explain why Jesus did not answer that prayer. Well, maybe that's not his will. He don't have time for that. I didn't pray the right way. You weren't sincere. You're not worthy of Jesus' prayers. You don't have enough faith. You cannot test the Lord like this. It is not a part of Jesus' plan for me. And so on and so on and so forth. One rationalization that you may find yourself developing is particularly interesting. You may say to yourself, well, of course Jesus doesn't answer me when I pray about a coin toss because it's too trivial. Where did this rationalization come from? If you read what Jesus says about prayer in the Bible, Jesus does not ever say, don't pray to me about coin tosses. Don't pray to me about trivial things. Jesus clearly says that he will answer your prayers and he puts no boundaries on what you may pray for. You invented this rationalization out of thin air. You made it up. If you are a Christian who is offended by the notion of praying about a coin toss, then let's try this instead. Get down on your knees and pray as follows. Dear Jesus, Son of God, the Almighty, all-powerful, all-loving creator of the universe, we pray to you to cure every case of cancer on this planet tonight. Please hear our heartfelt, unselfish, non-materialistic prayer and fulfill your promises in Matthew 7, 7, Matthew 17, 20, Matthew 21, 21, Matthew 11, 24, John 14, 12, Matthew 18, 19, Mark 9, 23, Luke 1, 37, James 5, 15, and many other places we know praying that when you answer, 
this prayer, it will glorify God and help millions of people in remarkable ways. In your name, we pray. Amen. So you tell me, will every case of cancer be gone tomorrow? Of course not. If you're a believer and you can create dozens of rationalizations for this unanswered prayer, that does not change the reality of the situation. You're an expert at creating rationalizations for Jesus. The reason you are an expert is because Jesus does not answer any of your prayers. The reason why Jesus does not answer any of your prayers is because Jesus is imaginary. We can find dozens of pieces of evidence to demonstrate that the Christian story is imaginary. What this simple experiment shows us is fascinating. When we pray to Ra and nothing happens over thousands of trials, we look at the data rationally and we conclude that Ra is imaginary. But when you pray to Jesus and nothing happens, you do not reach the same conclusion. Instead, you try to rationalize all the reasons why Jesus did not answer your prayers. Ask yourself this simple question. Why? What's the difference? Why do you, as a believer, behave in a completely irrational way? So, hopefully that helped you get a better mindset on what religion is and how religion works, especially for my Christians out there. And I do want to thank my caller. And I wish we had some more people calling in. I know y'all scared, but y'all ain't got to be scared, man. We, we, we ain't going to bite you. It's all love over here. Before we get out of here, I'm going to get into the black business of the day. So please stay tuned for that. Make sure y'all support these black businesses. As always, you can go to qualicush.com where every product we sell is from a black owned business. You don't have to look around anymore. And for all my readers out there, we do audio books every single day. So you can get to learn on. It's always good books. No bullshit. I promise you, I pick the books my damn self. So I appreciate y'all watching. Stay tuned for next week's episode of the New Atheist Experience. And we will be back in seven days. Holla at y'all. But check out this uh, black-owned business one time, man. Support these people and support my channel as well. And we'll keep giving y'all this good information. Thank y'all. While in prison, Ron Freeman learned that most prisoners love to eat ramen noodles and even use it as a currency. So upon his release, Ron decided to launch a company called Mama Pat's Foods and is now known as the first black-owned instant noodle brand. To order your first case of Mama Pat's noodles, check out the order info below. Ron's primary focus was creating a Raymond brand that is a lot healthier than what his competitors sell. Raymond is typically high in sodium, and eating too much of it has been linked to high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, and hypertension. So Ron decided to create an instant Raymond product that would be a low sodium and salt-free alternative. And it has been a huge success. To ensure that the packet's taste is superb, he uses a secret recipe combination of spices. The available flavors lamb stew, chicken fajita, seafood gumbo, and chicken taco create a variety of desirable options. The gumbo. And you look. In 1996, Ron was sentenced to three years in Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego for possession of a controlled substance. While there, he worked as a prison cook and says he noticed that most inmates would eat three or four packs of Raymond noodles a day. He also saw that Raymond has become more popular than cigarettes as the most popular form of currency in prison. So he decided that when he was released from prison, he would launch his own Raymond brand. It took him a few years to get it off the ground, but in 2009, he was finally able to launch the company. And guess who Ron's first clients were? 
you guessed it, prisons. If you look in here inside the flavor window, you'll see it come with a free drink and it comes with its own vegetable packet. That way we're not giving somebody garbage. We're giving them the real deal like Mama Pat would do when I came over there smoked. When I came over there messed up, she made sure I ate something before she kicked me out. We're going to start through the correctional facilities. We're not even starting the stores. We're going back to prison, Kevin. We're going back to jail. <laughs> In fact, to date, he is the distributor to several commissaries licensed by the Federal Bureau of Prisons and privatized jails. It's about time black people are able to profit from the prison system that hunts black people for profit. Ron is a changed man in many ways. Now in his 50s, he has no trouble with the law and is a committed entrepreneur and chef that is focused on taking his food products to the next level. Based in Los Angeles, California, his company supplies instant ramen noodles to various parts of the United States and also internationally to Canada and several African nations. As a way of giving back to the company, he prioritizes hiring ex-felons who struggle to find jobs after being released from prison. Ron says he is very thankful for the second chance that he was given and believes that other ex-felons deserve a second chance as well. Due to coronavirus shutdowns and regulations, Mama Pat's Foods has recently ceased selling to prison. Show this black-owned business some support by ordering your first case of Mama Pat's Raymond Noodle. Order at quellicus.com where every product we sell is from a black-owned business or simply click the link in the video description. Unfortunately, most ramen noodles meals are very high in sodium and not very healthy. And they're also limited to the same old tired flavors like beef and shrimp. Blah. Mama Pat's ramen noodles aren't like most ramen noodles. We're totally different. Mama Pat's has created instant ramen noodles that are healthier, more flavorful, and recipe-based instead of flavor-based. Our instant ramen noodles come in chicken taco, lamb stew, chicken fajita, and seafood gumbo flavors, and we'll be adding three new flavors every year. Mama Pat's ramen is made with a high wheat volume noodle cake that's less starchy and gummy than our competitors, real vegetables that are flash dried to maintain nutritional value, and a high quality yeast extract seasoning with 35% less sodium. The results are so good, Mama Pat's was rated the number one domestic ramen over Top Ramen and Marishan Ramen brands in an online taste test by the Ramen Raider. Just boil two cups of water, add the ramen noodles, veggies, and our secret spices, and cook for three to five minutes. Then enjoy. Mama Pat's comes in packs and cups, and every cup comes with a free vitamin-enriched powdered fruit drink sachets to pour into a 16-ounce bottled water, a complimentary healthy beverage courtesy of Mama Pat. Best of all, even with all the premium ingredients and extras, Mama Pat's is priced competitively with leading national brands. The foodie craze of the social media age group has people looking for new and exciting products to try. And Mama Pat's fits that bill perfectly. Our instant ramen noodle cups and packs can be ordered in single flavor cases or in our variety pack that includes all flavors. And your customers are going to love them. Order Mama Pat's Ramen Noodles for your business today or contact us for more information. Shout out to Mama Pat. Make sure y'all follow them on Instagram at uh, official Mama Pat's Foods or Mama Pat's Foods. They based out of Los Angeles, California. Go get y'all a pack of these. Um, the packaging is fire. Yeah, I like the packaging. They did real good with that. Zero trans fat, low sodium. 
Mama Pat, you did your thing with that. I mean, I seen some people in the comments talking about MSG. Like, y'all want niggas eat Chinese food. They throw MSG in Chinese food. You know what I'm saying? We good. Like, we good over here. It can't be nothing no different than what they've been selling us our whole life. So, support black businesses. Go get you some black-owned ramen. You know what I'm saying? But, only on the struggle days. But, these right here, yeah, he's good. I'm awesome. two for two right there. Should've Heaven and fuck that all that shit. Y'all hoes gotta get off this corner with that. We're gonna get right back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. But first, please take a moment to hit the like button. Push the button. If it's your first time here, hit the subscribe button. Come on, push the button. If you're already subscribed, make sure you hit the little bell icon. That way you get a notification every time we post a new video. Push the goddamn button. Push the goddamn button. You heard what she said. I absolutely love to read books, but honestly, sometimes I just don't feel like it. That's why I'm so grateful that I have a membership with Audible. Now I can have someone read books to me on demand whenever I want. Now I can listen to audiobooks while I'm exercising, cleaning the house, or visiting the royal throne. Sometimes I even like to listen to audiobooks as I fall asleep. It's actually quite relaxing. My Audible membership gives me thousands of books to choose from, which is why I'm recommending it to you. And if you use the link in the description, you can get two free audiobooks. That's two books of your choice, absolutely free, just for signing up via the link in the description. And you can even give Audible as a gift for someone you care about. Join Audible today. Hey, what's up? This is your boy, Kwali Kush. If you like the videos on this channel, then why not visit our website, kwalikush.com. We post every day with topics ranging from religion to science, critical thinking, black-owned businesses, and much, much more. On the website, you'll also find links to all of the other social media related to Kwali Kush. I personally post a book recommendation daily to the blog, and we are um, 420 friendly. So come on down, visit us, leave a comment, and let us know what you think. KwaliKush.com Heaven and us, fuck that, all that shit. Y'all hoes gotta get off this corner with that. We're gonna get right back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, but first, please take a moment to hit the like button. Push the button. If it's your first time here, hit the subscribe button. Come on, push the button. If you're already subscribed, make sure you hit the little bell icon. That way you get a notification every time we post a new video. Push the goddamn button. Push the goddamn button. You heard what she said. I absolutely love to read books, but honestly, sometimes I just don't feel like it. That's why I'm so grateful that I have a membership with Audible. Now I can have someone read books to me on demand whenever I want. Now I can listen to audiobooks while I'm exercising, cleaning the house, or visiting the royal throne. Sometimes I even like to listen to audiobooks as I fall asleep. It's actually quite relaxing. My Audible membership gives me thousands of books to choose from, which is why I'm recommending it to you. And if you use the link in the description, you can get two free audiobooks. That's two books of your choice, absolutely free, just for signing up via the link in the description. And you can even give Audible as a gift for someone you care about. Join Audible today. 
Hey, what's up? This your boy Quali Kush. If you like the videos on this channel, then why not visit our website, qualikush.com. We post every day with topics ranging from religion to science, critical thinking, black-owned businesses, and much, much more. On the website, you'll also find links to all of the other social media related to Quali Kush. I personally post a book recommendation daily to the blog, and we are um 420 friendly. So come on down, visit us, leave a comment, and let us know what you think. Qualikush.com. Yo, 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 what's up, man? It's Quali Kush. What the fuck y'all still doing in the goddamn chat room? The show is over. Get out. It's over. Bye. We'll see you later. I'm just fucking with y'all, man. Y'all know I'm, I'm just fucking with y'all. But yeah, man, show over, man. I appreciate y'all for coming in. What's up, Azazel Black, man? You came late. But yeah, man, we'll be back next week. Show is over. Rewind it. We're going to chop it up and put some short clips up. Make sure you listen to the audio podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for watching. We'll be back next week with new atheist experience.